during this during this sacred season of Lent, let us remain standing for the reading of God's word. So we'll make sure, am I up here at the right time? I made a lot of mistakes last week. I didn't want to do that again. All right, here we go then. During this sacred season of Lent, let us stand and remain standing for. We're, this season, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. You may be seated. Now, when the preacher gets up to preach a passage and only reads two verses and stops, you could be sure those two verses must be full of a lot of meaning. So Jesus has just come from his baptism in the Jordan River. We read that story at the Epiphany Feast on January 6th. What an amazing moment that was. The, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes and lands on his shoulder. A voice from heaven, the voice of God says, this is my beloved son. And in him, I am well pleased. How do you walk away from a moment like that? The whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit there, miraculous events taking place. Filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, he goes out from the Jordan River. Does he walk with an excited bounce? Does he have a fearless determination ready to take on all the evil of the world? Does he have like an unbreakable peace and serenity? Well, it doesn't matter because it didn't last. We find him very quickly in the desert. No food and weak. He's gaunt. He's thin. He's getting thinner by the day. Would you even recognize him if you saw him? How would you find him? Face buried in his hands. Is he weeping? Is he whispering to himself like a crazy person? Is he crying out and screaming out to God? There's some mystical history tied up in this. It says he's tempted by the devil. That started at the very beginning of scripture, Genesis chapter three. Adam is, and Eve are tempted by the serpent. Except... Adam and Eve lived in a paradise where they could have almost anything they wanted. And Jesus is in a desert and there's no food. He's therefore, he's in the desert. That's got some mystical history. Israel was in the desert. Except Israel was in the desert because they worshiped a golden calf and turned away from God and, and couldn't find the promised land. Jesus is there five minutes after God just said, that's my boy, and I am so proud of him. There's that mystical number, 40. He's there 40 days. A lot of tough stuff happens in the Bible around the number 40. But God wants to wipe out all sin on the earth, can't take it anymore. How long does it rain around Noah's Ark? 40 days and 40 nights. And when the Israelites worshiped that golden calf and were set out into the desert to wander, how long were they there? 40 years. When Jonah shows up with whale 
esophageal mucus all over him. <laughs> Sorry, you get a biology teacher. I can't just say slime. That's what I should have said. Um, and he's got to get Nineveh to turn. How long do they have to listen to his preaching? 40 days. When Jesus goes to the cross at the end of this story, how many times will the Romans whip him? They were allowed 40. Now they only ever did 39 just to make sure they didn't accidentally stray over the legally limited, horrible number 40. It's a lot of mystical things happening in these two verses. But it's not all mystical and it's not all mystery. In fact, some myths are going out into this desert to die. The first myth that people at that time believed was that the desert was a haunt of demons. And if you hung out out there, you would get possessed. But Jesus goes out to the desert to meet with God. That's where God is. One myth down. Another myth to going out into the desert to die is that ancient people believed, and some people here still believe, that if you're being tested and tempted, it's your fault. You must have done something wrong. But Jesus is tested and tempted, and God just got done saying, I love him. I'm so pleased with him. Another myth that goes out into this desert to die is that this uh, testing is something you're supposed to pass. This is a test to show your strength. Jesus doesn't have what it takes to pass this test. In fact, it, said, it didn't say the spirit led him to the desert and then go boy. It says the Spirit led him in the desert. He's there all 40 days in the desert being led by the Spirit. Without the Spirit, he can't do this. It's not a chance to show his spiritual strength. The end of the passage will say he's so weak, angels have to take care of him. This, is, this test is about staying faithful even though he is weak. No, it's not all triumphant voices and doves for Jesus. There's another myth that goes out to that desert to die. When you think that you're in the desert, when you think God is not with your family, when you think God is not with your workplace, when you think he can't hear what's going on because I'm out in this desert, remember also that you are not alone in the desert. There's a myth that you can put to death right now. Remember that Jesus went to the desert. And when you're tried and when you're tempted and you think, this must be my fault. What did I do? Remember that it doesn't go that way. Maybe God just got done saying, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And in you, I am well pleased. Even so, here comes the desert. Another myth that could die out there is that this is a test that you have to pass. That you're supposed to be showing some spiritual strength. And if you don't feel like you have any spiritual strength, then you must be failing. Let that myth die in your desert. If Jesus didn't have the strength to do it on his own, then no one expects you and I to either. We must be led by the Spirit in the desert, not to the desert, 
in the desert, every moment relying on him. It's not a chance for you to show your strength. And if you have no strength, then you may be just like Jesus. It's a test to remain faithful, even though you are weak. If it wasn't all triumphant voices and Holy Spirit doves for him, then it's not going to be that for us either. And when you believe you are alone in the desert, remember that you are not. And that your Lord Christ has gone before you. And he has already defeated the devil who waits for you. To tempt you, yes. To torment you, yes. To accuse you, yes. But he's already been beaten. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit today, if you're walking with an excited bounce, if you've got a fearless determination to take on whatever comes next, if you have an unbreakable peace and serenity, praise the Lord and celebrate that. But be real. Someday the desert will come. Maybe sooner than we think. And it doesn't mean that something went wrong. In the Christian year, we have all sorts of mystical seasons. We have the season of Advent when we celebrate, you know, what it's like to wait for Christ. We proclaim that we wait for Christ. We have the season of Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, that God is with us. God has come to be with us. We have the epiphany from January 6th until last Wednesday when God is revealing who he is to us and to the world. But now is the season of Lent. And Lent is for the 40 days when the tough stuff happens. Lent is four days plus six weeks leading up to Easter. From last Wednesday to today and six more weeks to Easter. Now, if you do your math real quick, you realize that's 46 days. That's because these six Sundays are not actually part of the 40 days of Lent. They are the Sundays within Lent. But these days remain the Lord's Day. These are still days to sing and worship and celebrate an empty cross and an empty tomb. And that Christ is risen and he is the Son of God and death is defeated. That remains what the Lord's Day is for, even in Lent. And we'll talk about how to handle that in a future message we have coming up. But let's talk about the Mondays through Friday, Saturdays we have left. The Mondays through Saturdays we have left. The 40 days. Traditionally, Christians fast on the 40 days of Lent. Now, there's all kinds of fasts. The fast that I don't want anyone to try is what Jesus did. 40 days without food. You and I are not going to pull that off. Um, we don't live in a very stable environment. I, I think, I wonder if their desert temperature day, night was a little more even at the time of year he chose to do this. Uh, we are not going to sit for 40 days with our back against a rock either. If you get your activity level down like that with with the Holy Spirit, you might survive 40 days without food. But for you and I who are going to be cleaning the house and shoveling snow and mowing the grass and taking kids places and going to work, we're not going to pull that off. So don't do that. That will make you, it can make you mentally insane and it can kill you. All right. So don't do that. But what kind of fast can we do? Some Christians take an item of food or a beverage that they are really engaged with. And during the 40 days of Lent, they give that up. 
Some take an activity that they're really engaged with. You know, it could be screen time. It could be reading something. It could be something you really normally engage with and you give that up for the season of Lent. Uh, Some uh, go down to more of a basic food. There's a lot of the real basic food stuff, like Jesus in the desert is what's inspiring this. Now, how much, how long you do this depends on how basic we're talking. For folks who go down to like bread and vegetables, you know, you can do that for 40 days. Uh, for those of you who would go down so simple as to like bread and water, that's probably a one day a week fast or a one meal a day fast. Um, for those of you who go to no food, that's probably a one day a week of complete fasting, no food. Um, you can do that one day a week probably. Now, why would you do any fast at all? Why would you do any fast at all? My brother-in-law one time, <laughs> sorry, he brought his kids here and they talked about Lent and when they left, his kids go, Dad, what are you giving up for Lent? And he said, being Catholic. <laughs> so, a lot more folks than Catholics fast during the season of Lent. So here's some reasons why any Christian may fast. Okay, three reasons. One is um, to create focus, spiritual focus. You know, if I'm really into screens and watching my computer and my phone and all that, and then I give that up, or if I really am into coffee and I give that up, my mind and my body are going to want to go back to that a lot. But when I do for these 40 days, when that urge comes up, it reminds me, oh, yes, I wanted to pray. I wanted to give thanks to God. I wanted to pray for direction. I I wanted to pray. And that urge reminds you so the 40 days don't just slip away. I notice it's kind of like putting a rock in your shoe. And every time that rock bugs me, oh yeah, pray. You're putting a rock in your shoe and you give up something like that. So creating spiritual focus for it so that it'll direct your mind and body to another goal. Another one is to declare yourself and to declare who your real source is. When you give up that food for a day, you say, man does not live by bread alone. Uh, I am not all about food. My, my diet, and some of you have really fancy, cool diets, but that's not what's going to give me eternal life, you say. That's not what's going to give me eternal life. My eternal life comes from Christ, and during Lent, this fast proclaims that. Uh, this device is not my connection to truth. It's not my connection to other people in community. Um, uh, that Christ is my source of that, and during Lent, I plug into only him. So it's a chance to declare yourself. It's a chance to rely on God. That's the third thing, to rely on God. Um, For some of us, the idea of not eating for a whole day, how will I ever do that? How would I have the willpower to do that? And you rely on God. Another fast we're recommending is a fast of engagement. Like like, uh, maybe from now till Easter, you don't miss any worship services. I'm going to come to church seven times in a row. How would I do that? How would I rearrange all the things I have to do and places I have to be and and, you know, that, that thing that happens to me in the morning when it's time to get out of bed and I really, really don't want to. Um, how do I manage all that? And like, Lord, I'm relying on you to arrange my life and even arrange my heart that I could do seven times in a row and see what happens. So it's a chance to rely on God. About, so there's lots of different kinds of fasts and lots of different reasons to fast. About the only fast I'm not a big fan of, I don't recommend to you, is is using Lent to kick an addiction or a bad habit that you've gotten into. That is an important spiritual practice. There are ministries in the church to help us do that, but it's not a a great Lenten fast. Or um, 
dieting, to use it as some sort of a diet, diet plan. Dieting may be something you want to do for health or, or other reasons, um, but I, I don't think it makes the best Lenten fast. So other than those two, though, probably a lot of good types of fast and reasons to fast. And we're going to have a, a song here in a moment after this message concludes. And I want us to use that song as a time to contemplate what will our fast be and what will be the reason. I thought of lots of fasts this last week, but my reasons were all kind of bad. It took me a while to come to a good reason. So we're going to give this song so that you could have some time to think of what might my fast be? How could I turn up the heat of my spiritual life here during this season of Lent? And, and invite God in and refocus myself on God. Something that might last longer than the 40 days. But I got to turn up the heat now to, to reset my clock. Reset my mind and my soul. I want everyone to go out from here for the, the rest of the, the days of this week knowing these four things. From this passage in Luke, I want you to know that the desert is coming. But God has gone before you. Your desert times will come. Some of you are in them right now. God is still for you. Uh, we will all be tried and we will all be tempted. It doesn't mean something's wrong. Sometimes it means something's really right. It, when you're tried and tempted as Jesus was, that's your chance to reach out to God. Whether it's a whisper or a scream, to reach out to God and say, God, are you here now? Can you lend me the strength of your spirit? And if you know that you're in the desert, I want you to know that you are still in God's story. You may be in the key part of God's story. Jesus' ministry did not begin until after the desert. Although it's horrible right now, you may look back at this time and say, that desert time was the jumping off place of the rest of my life. Let's reflect on these things together. Amen. Go in peace.